Hey, I'm Rich. And I'm Ruben. And this is Clarity, where we discuss the ideas and experiences that shape how we think and live. Mm-hmm. So here we are, the as we sit, the um we are in the beginning of December. Christmas season is around the corner. We're wrapping things up. And um But for real, this year this year has felt like a decade, bro. It it really has. Um, it feels like a decade for me. It's like a decade and like five minutes at the same time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I don't know how to explain that. I certainly haven't been enjoying 2020, but yeah, I'll just think about something that happened and it's like, Oh, like the last time I saw a movie in person, um, was Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. Wow. So, so here, here's the thing, Rich. Like, I, I think at the beginning of the year, we tried to use like this um, uh, metaphor of like hindsight 2020. <laughs> and now I feel like, I feel like everything's so unpredictable. And like looking back, uh, so many things happen, but we're here. We're here enjoying as much as we can our lives, uh, trying to live a, a life uh, in the fullest that we can enjoying playing uh in my case super smash brothers uh rich you've been playing some some games i don't know if you want to announce them yeah <laughs> no. i've been playing uh but, i think i have close to 200 hours logged on legend of zelda breath of the wild so far last time i saw you which was yesterday was 170 so are you telling me that yesterday you played 30 hours i did not play 30 hours yesterday i may have played okay, like okay. three maybe four what, what gets I'm me? I'm not trying to expose you. I'm not trying to expose <laughs> you because you don't have to tell how many hours I have in Super Smash Brothers. <laughs> you, you I don't, I don't think I will. It's a lot because every time I'm playing, like the little, <laughs> quite often, it'll this little thing will pop on. Ruben Casabona is online on Super Smash Brothers, so I imagine. Yeah. Pretty yeah. often, we've been well, playing a lot of there. Mario Kart. Shelly and I. I was able to convince nice. her to give it a shot, and you know. You know what happened yesterday? Yes. I was doing a little thing and I just left. I just asked her to, I was playing Breath of the Wild and we were transitioning to doing something together and I asked her to hold the switch, the switch for a minute. I didn't lock the screen or anything. So the game was there and she's like, can I move around a little? And I was like, shoot. Okay, sure. Like I actually, Hmm had link in a specific spot to do a specific thing. But I was like, at first I told her, just don't walk off this cliff. And I was like, nah, you can do whatever you want. And then I showed her the controls. Open yes. Open world. The open world, I think appealed to her. She's like, whoa. And like, then like I showed her how to find the horse and to ride the horse. And then she found a quest and then she found a new horse for this guy. And she was having a good time. Uh, whenever monsters did come at her on the horse, she did freak out because when you first play, you don't, you mix up the, Oh wait, is this button go fast or is this button hop off the horse? Oh no, I hopped off the horse. Oh, they're hitting me. You know, and yeah. it was she had a good time and uh she isn't quite at the stage where she's ready to start her own save file. But oh, wow. uh she's not there. But um she does Almost love there. she loves the horses. She's uh Shelly's big a thousand times into horses. She's done it for so several summers, um, a lot of summers working in barns and some stuff during the year. She was CHA certified. She was running the barn at uh, a summer camp um, for a few years. Not noble. Not noble, just barns. I don't get it. Barns and noble. Just oh, 
That's hilarious. Just that that joke. That joke. Sorry. That was a good joke. We should probably, <laughs> you know, um, that's probably the best joke you're going to make. So let's transition. Huh? I mean, <laughs> yes, yes. Let's do it, please. <laughs> it's hilarious. Okay. All right, guys. Um, so yeah. So she finds the horse play, the horse, the horses in the game, very realistic and she loves mm-hmm. it. And mm-hmm. we actually had watched a movie, um, the black beauty on Disney plus, and she was hmm. so dissatisfied with, with the horse stuff there. Um, hmm. And I loved it. So it's funny. She's like, it was like, yeah, Breath of the Wild does better with horses than this horse movie. Hmm. So we saw Mulan yesterday. It had horses too. So yeah. Disney Plus. We yep. will see. We'll see All how right. they do with horses. According to Shelly. We should do episodes well, on that. Shelly should have her own I mean, horse girl podcast about how movies get it wrong. You know, I, I feel that the, po- the podcasts that are the most like... Um, successful are the ones that have people that are really passionate about the topics and niche. like if yeah niche and really passionate like and i believe that if shelly starts a podcast about horses like she'll have a lot lot of content lots of episodes you know so i'm just throwing it out there shelly if you're listening <laughs> rich has all the equipment you can start your 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 podcast about horses and you'll be fine way more popular than us she'll start podcasting Probably. full-time Probably. <laughs> we'll move to Hollywood. Right. Okay. Hey. Go ahead. Enough, enough uh, of these conversations. We're going to the topic right now. And the topic is the awful side of Christianity. Why Christianity is awful. And we're speaking as two Christian pastors about it. So lead us in this lead us in this conversation, Rich, please. Sure. I'll give you an example. You know, um, there was someone who is uh, no longer in our faith tradition. I don't know if they're Christian, but they're friends with, with my wife. And uh, they posted on the internet um, something about how important it was to either wear masks or etc. And this fellow, who I imagine is a friend or associate or in the family circle, a church circle previously of this individual, um, they just rip into her and do a lot of just really self-righteous to be honest with you and um, just hitting into all these misconnected conspiracy theory stuff and somehow linking it with the core of Christian teaching and uh, committing almost every logical fallacy we've talked about in our logical fallacy episode and just laying into it. And Hmm. I'm just sitting here as someone who today and last night has found deep encouragement and strength, hope, joy, and peace in a relationship with Jesus and just leaning on Mm -hmm. him and giving him my heart. Um, And also, you know, repenting and realizing, like telling you, realizing like I'm not good, I'm struggling, you know, I'm having this experience and I have deep, um, I'm finding deep fulfillment in our teachings. And then you have this Mm -hmm. guy, right? And so, Beyond this, you know, when I talk to my barber, when I talk to other people, um, I talk to people at the comic book store, people are deeply dissatisfied with Christianity. Um, It isn't just like there's people who like Christianity, people who, yeah, it's just not for them. There's some of that, but there's people who have been moved away from the movement and um, don't view it as a neutral thing or an option, but as an evil thing. As a bad thing, as Mm -hmm. a net negative thing, Um, 
And this is this. I remember when I first heard about this, it was just I was told, oh, these are extreme people that think this way. These uh, militant atheists that just want to destroy all Christians because they're just so mean. But um, after a while, I started to learn of people telling stories whereby it would make a lot of sense from their experience that they would view Christianity as evil. They would view Christianity as a net negative. Um, yeah. And so with this title, we're kind of implying that there is an aspect or there's a section or is a group, at least, of Christianity that we can agree is awful. Yeah, and, and by this, we're not doing, like, us versus them. We are not trying to bash on Christianity. Uh, we're not trying to, to shoot ourselves in the foot, you know? like I gave an example um, of a specific person, yeah, and yeah. when I did that, I was thinking, man, it could really sound like I'm saying, those people are the problem. If everyone was yeah. like, Ruben and I... Ooh, no, but no. I, I guess it's not what we're I saying. guess the first step in this whole process is to realize that there's some parts in us that are unconsciously like uh, awful mm -hmm. in terms of how we deal with people. Our biases. We have an episode of that. Our biases are deceiving. We usually think that we are right and everybody is wrong, or we want to be right and we want everybody to be wrong. And I. Well, Rich, you are really, you are a really outgoing person in terms of like conversations wise, like Correct. you are out there. I really admire that part of you, that um, aspect of you. Like there's many other aspects as well, but this is specific one. Like I'm a really shy person, but you don't, you, you just can't keep yourself uh, quiet. And that's awesome. I'm not saying that you talk too much. I'm saying that you talk that. to people, you talk to people and you engage with them and you listen to them. So when you say you're talking to your barber, you're talking to people in your comic book store, I do believe you. <laughs> I do believe you. I, I try, I'm a really shy person. I'm a, I, I'm a really introvert person. And yet I still see that there's this dissatisfaction, like, like ministering in churches, um, trying to talk to like families of church members, um, trying to talk to people. Like when I used to have a class working out, uh, and it is really interesting to see that most of the people, most of the cases, I don't want to put them all in one like basket, but most of the cases are connected not necessarily with the tenants, with the with the uh, concepts that Christianity proposes to the world. Uh, we know that those concepts come uh, from from God, from the Word of God, that it's inspired, but they have not much of a problem with that. I think the biggest problem for them is that we don't practice what we preach. I, I feel that the most dissatisfaction for people is either that Christians don't practice what we preach, what they preach, or Christianity has deceived them into a moment of trauma or or hurt. So if you're listening to us, and if your case is neither of those, and you think that Christianity is awful, we'd like to hear from you. We'd like to hear that why why is the case that you think that Christianity is awful? I, I feel that. There's some parts of traditional Christianity that uh, um, we as Christians have not been able to make bridges and we have been putting walls in, into society. Um, not that uh, not that we are better than them, but at the same time, like how, how can we how can we change that uh, aspect of of people like bashing on Christianity? Like and it's really hard not to get into politics in this, especially in this country that we're living in. Uh, some people even tie politics with Christianity with the, with a certain um, political affiliation, right? And because the racial majority in Christianity has become synonymous for some reason. Yeah. 
And uh, mm. I was listening to an episode yesterday, a podcast ep- yesterday, episode yesterday, where there's a Chris, a Baptist pastor who's bivocational. He does that at a small church, Baptist pastor, but he's also um, a statistician at the, I believe, University of Illinois or Blue Ridge mm. University. By the way, he's a statistician and he's talking through like maybe I'm saying his title wrong. He's dealing with <laughs> trends and stuff like that, and. Um, it's become the is the vast majority of it, at one point Christians were white Christians were um, one issue voters who were like oh for these issues we're gonna become part of this party, but now the the Christian is not a strange the white evangelical Christian is not a strange side part of the Republican Party, but instead the quintessential Republican. Hmm. where the party has changed a little to be shaped by them, but also they've been shaped, some would say, um, and would fully agree with the overall tenets of the party. Um, perhaps at some, in some instances, you know, people saying things like um, small government is a Bible truth. And, and here, here's things like thing, that, right? for so example. Like, which, I have my parents visiting. Whether, whether yeah, or not ahead, I man. agree with small or big government it's yeah. certainly not a Bible truth. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. certainly not nece- necessary um, if you love Jesus. I would mm-hmm. I would just say I'd agree or disagree with it. Um, mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, but, yeah. And then in contrast, black Christians are primarily uh, Democrats. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing is, like, if you live in this country, you kind of understand the, the situation of this world. And, like, I didn't know it was that quote-unquote bad or that ingrained into our, our, our society uh, until my parents came. My parents came to visit and I had to explain to them, you know, um, here things are interesting because we make politics of every single thing. Every single decision already screams your political affiliation. It, it is so weird. And um, My parents coming from Peru, like for them, like if the government says you wear masks because that's what uh, the the people that are scientists and they know their stuff are asking you to do it. We do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when they ask here, like, why are there's people that are not wearing masks? And well, let me tell you a story <laughs> about how some people think like, this is part of this and that. And, and, and they say like, are you really in, and, and they asked me that question, like, are you really putting politics into like health? And they say, Oh, don't get me started because we put politics in everything. And sometimes we are like building, building, um, walls building walls and not actually witnessing and it is the total opposite of what christianity actually is supposed to stand for christianity is radically unselfish it is different you're not to feel superior it's not that your religion is makes you a better human being than anybody else It, it doesn't make you different in the sense that you are like higher you're not lower either um but yeah, I think our religion does make us better, but what's better, it? our religion should make us better, Ruben. I think oh, that's oh, yeah, the point. Oh, yeah. But the but what's no better, better than others. Better in this way. Better in an unearthly way. Because better and, is more humble, more humble and lowly is better. And Jesus came humble and lowly, and for some reason, the church has become wild and mean yeah and 
that's that's what I, I was trying to say. Like better Sorry. not uh better not like in the in the sense of comparing you to other person, but better in the sense that improving your own character. Better character. than you were before, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and if you take uh those Christian thoughts and 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 ideas and principles and put them in practice you're gonna notice that they are going first of all against uh logic against culture and then they are really not portrayed in in the traditional christianity that we see nowadays and my question is like how when does this started you know like how how does this happen like when did we started to 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 as a community of believers to start worrying more about uh, a program and not worrying about the person like a human being in need of knowing or experiencing this transformation that only we believe god can provide well i'd say this is actually oddly enough a uh what would become a traditional thing in the church in christianity but instead is counter to the um proto uh, tradition of jesus's way so uh, our way versus his way being a competition in his following is something that has existed before the death of Jesus. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Where Jesus had to tell his people that the Gentiles, they lord their power over each other. They seek advantage and then work that advantage to control, manipulate and force. And then he looked and said, not so among you. That you shouldn't be adding up titles so that people call you teacher, master, lord. He said, don't do that. Not so among you. That's not how you should be doing um, the teaching of truth. And beyond this, you know, they would fight and they would bicker and they would, Peter even rebuked Jesus over the teaching of his death and burial and resurrection saying, Lord, we don't need that. That stop it. You know, stop mm-hmm. saying that. So our heart, our sinful hearts, they fight against the truth of the gospel, right? And in Paul, Paul predicted in First Thessalonians 4 that there would be a falling away from Jesus' teaching. And so what is Jesus' teaching, Ruben? Well, Jesus' teaching is of his death, burial, and resurrection, right? And it's yep. also yep. that not, sung among, not so among you is part of it. The yep. servant leadership, when you look at what he teaches about who God is, if you have seen me, says he's you've seen the Father. So God is gentle and lowly. Jesus is gentle and lowly. Um, true power is not, I'm going to lift myself up. That's more of the mm-hmm. Isaiah 14, heart of Babylon, heart of Satan mentality. Instead, yeah. and honestly, you know, if we, we need to compare ourselves, in Philippians 2, 5 through 11, we see the ways and mind of Jesus. And Isaiah 14, 12 to 15, we see the way in mind of Babylon, sin, Satan. And when we look at these two thoughts, we should ask ourselves, which of these is worth worship and adoration? Well, of course, Mm. Philippians 2, 5 through 11, the mentality of Jesus, who he is, what he's done, right? And part of that worship is living the mentality, which is beautiful, right? Um, Not by our own strength, Mm. but by his transformation. And so, but when we look at ourselves, we have to ask, are we living Philippians 2, 5 through 11 by his transforming power in us? Or are we living Isaiah 14, 
I think it's 12, I think it's 12 to 15. I'm doing this from memory here. Um, mm-hmm. Which are we living? And yeah. by default, we're going to be living that I'm going to lift myself higher. I'm going to try and get as many follows and likes as I can for my ministry. I need to have the nicest office, the nicest equipment. Um, you need to get referred to me by my highest degree. You And again, all the in and of these selves, these things don't need to be um, evil. They don't need to be. But the point is, the way of Jesus is a way of humility, service, other-centered love, first and foremost. And all of the Bible truths we teach about God that he taught coincide with this. And so there's a truth and character side of the falling away. Yeah. Are you with um, me? Because Jesus' followers wrestled with both. And I think with us as a church, what there has to be a question, you know? If Christianity is true, why does Jesus sound good? But all of these followers, they don't they don't match that. Is there really a transforming Holy Spirit, one might ask, if he's not helping his followers be like their teacher? And I'd say the answer, the, the resolve for that is what I've been saying here, spending some time saying, is that there is a predicted prophetic falling away in which there would be those, many of those, who would claim the title Christian without following both the character and the taught truth. And I think those things go together. But talk to me about that, mm. Ruben. Well, if I'm understanding correctly, what you're trying to say is that the way of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus need to go hand in hand. And and the problem is that we haven't been um, like taking the the importance to like the way as much as we have been the teachings. Like we have been emphasizing the teachings of of Jesus, and and by teachings of Jesus, we even don't we even don't uh, like dive into like the 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 depth and the spirit of what Jesus was uh, really talking about like the problem with the the pharisees the religious uh, people in jesus's time is that they they knew like in a cognitive level they knew like in a in a way that will fill them with uh, knowledge and they'll feel like good about that they'll say like i already know about the bible i really know about the truth mm. I, I know about that laws i can and quote if, it as to long you as I, yeah i can quote it to you and as long as i i fulfill them i fulfill them i'm fine and, and then Jesus comes and says, like, no, not so with you. Like, it's never been about how much you know. Like, and then Paul even says, like, uh, in, in 1 Corinthians 13, like, if you have the, even the gift of prophecy, mm-hmm. if you can even speak in tongues, if you can be, like, the highest leader, if you can, if, if you have everything that, that, that society can give you, if, if you have a high position in church, if, if you think that you are there, but you don't have love, mm-hmm. you're empty. You're empty. And then, and that's what Jesus was trying to portray, that the kingdom of God, which the kingdom of God is not only a physical place, but it's like the way of of God, the way of God of of, of his his reign, how how he how he governs on, on, the, on the, the universe. Like he says, like the kingdom of God, it's never about selfishness. It's about the total opposite. And if we answer the question of our title, why is Christianity, why Christianity is awful? I feel it's because we became people so comfortable in just being everything about us that we forget that our, our leader, our king, our savior thought the total opposite when he 
came to this world mm. and when he died for you and me and for everybody. And when we start like realizing that those truths in, in more than a cognitive level, we realize that it's bigger than just like, oh, I already know the Bible. I already know about God. And to know God, it's an endeavor of every single day of our lives. It's a, it's a journey. It's a journey. And this is why when I talk to people, like sometimes like <laughs> I've been, I've been dealing with some parents that uh, uh, have been having issues with their kids, you know, and, and, mm -hmm. and the kids have, they, they want to do nothing but religion. And I want to talk mm -hmm. to the kids and say like, I don't, I'm not interested in religion. I'm not interested in, in, in Christianity. I'm not interested in coming to church. Why do I have to come to church? And, okay. and then they're, they're in their phones and, and then they're in their phones. And then some leaders of the church, family pastor, like we need to, we need to take away the phones from them and, and they're, they, <laughs> yeah. we need to take away the internet. We need to, we need to restrict them. We need to take the Wi-Fi password out of them because no. otherwise they're going to, Satan is going to use that uh, Wi-Fi and he's using that for distracting the kids. And then my question in my question in my mind because sometimes i'm a person that non-confrontational i like to just sure. let them first realize the situation and my, my first my question to my mind is like are you really fostering an environment of growth with your programs are you really involving the people and the kids or are you just trying to use christianity as a as a manipulation method for them to behave well because most people like use the christian or god like oh god is gonna punish you if you don't do the right thing and then in my in my heart and in my mind like when i asked the kids like what do you think of god and then they said well it's he's up there you know he's up there he's he's all powerful and and they, and they describe all these attributes of god being so powerful mm -hmm. yet not a god being personal because they're afraid and they feel that they cannot commit to that because First of all, they don't see that as an example at home. And then as a church, we're not fostering an, uh, a community that uh, promotes authenticity, that we, it promotes like, hey, we say you can come as you are, but if someone comes with a different hair color or with a different like uh, uh, probably uh, like dress code, I, I, I'll say, you say like, come as you are, but it's like, no, no, not as that. Like you can be a little more, can you be a little more like, christian a little more proper like that's what we say man there was a case when in one of my churches and a girl that uh a girl came to church because of some initiatives that we have for 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 the youth and and, and she came and she was uh, lgbtq and she was she was part of that community um but she was young and and when she came to church um people recognize her and in one of the worship services like the one of the church ladies and in, in, in the worship and in a prayer time she said like god we want to pray and we pray for people that are confused with their sexuality and we pray so you'll change them and, mm -hmm. and she was specifically pointing out to her she right. was specifically pointing out to her and, and and as she was praying i like i i opened my eyes like i, I was there in the front and i was saying like do you think, do you really think that God pleases, is pleased like with that? And it's not even about pleasing God. God is pleased with us no matter like we're created, we're pleased, but uh, God is pleased with us. And and then when she finished the prayer, I was in the front, I was in the front, I, I finished in the prayer, I went to her pew and I say, I'm sorry for what she said. She doesn't know what she's doing. She doesn't mm -hmm. know what she's saying. It, we as Christians can be so awful. Yeah. If, if we don't look ourselves in the mirror. Now, clearly... I, in her mind, she's like, oh, that's obviously a sin. And so, oh man, she came here and I need to take this opportunity to pray this prayer for in her hearing to change her heart. 
And, you know, here's the reality though. Like tone deaf though, tone deaf, tone deaf. And I think, and when we look at it, perhaps I think, you know, it's likely there's some manipulation there that I think the prayer likely is not aware she's doing because, um, this way of moving people around, you know, there's people who say that this manipulation is the core of parenting. There's people who say things like that. And so what I think when you have to look at things, and whether they mean them or not, or maybe they, they said that to me, there was a misspeaker misunderstanding perhaps, but um, here's the reality of the matter. Um, when we look at, and let, let's do this. We're not going to get into these texts, but look at if you look at Daniel 7, if you look at Revelation 13 and 14, there's further clarification as to the, yes, the historical identity of a major movement that would lead a major falling away from the teaching of Jesus and the way of Jesus and the teaching of Jesus that would transform Christianity um, completely to be less kingdom, less of the upside down uh, kingdom way of Jesus. I say upside down in relation to our ways of the world and more of an empire where Christianity had become an empire. And I think even if we are part of a Protestant group of Christianity today, when I look at that prayer, there's empire to it. Mm. When I and that way of having empire is just so entirely human, where we can make um, some people have stopped calling megachurches megachurches and started calling them VLMs, very large ministries, mm. um, because of how insular and self-focused and personality-driven they're focused on. Um, and so I think you know there's very large ministries. And um, the Seventh-day Adventist Church supporting ministries um, that have evangelists that speak and travel. And some, yeah, you might say, would reflect uh, Jesus' kingdom mentality more than others. And I Jesus, reflect Jesus' kingdom mentality on some days more or less than others, right? So we're not saying this to say that we have the good ministry and all, everyone else is the bad and Christianity is awful because it's not run by Rich and Reuben. That's not what we're saying. What we're no. saying is Jesus has seen, he knows his followers, he knows us, he is real, and he can only work with what we allow him to do in our hearts, mm. the permission he grants. And so those of us who look and see, man, you're a pastor's, tell us why Christianity is awful. Well, there's this prophecy that predicts um, that Christianity would be hijacked, by the enemy, using our pride, using our preferences, using, yes, compromise, but also pride and manipulation. Um, mm-hmm. And that this yeah. is, this, there, there is a pro, that part of that is from a great imperial, empirical church movement that yeah. Christianity still has not fully recovered from. Um, yeah. and, that, and that's why I believe, historically, we can look and see, look, there's historical, biblical, prophetic reason why Christianity wouldn't match um, everything else. And so the Bible text is still true. Uh, how do we know that we're Jesus' disciples, Reuben? I'll let you, I'll let you take it from here. By, by our love. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
and here's the thing rich like i have nothing uh, against like knowing and and getting experiencing god in a in a in a clearer way like i think we had this interaction uh off camera or off like mike uh regarding like the emphasis that we should put in this episode like i yes. i was coming from an approach i was coming an approach like in a practical way like yeah i think like the problem is not doctrine the problem is like we are not uh living it and then you say like actually the problem is also doctrine like you say like in daniel 7 there's going to be a power there's going to be a movement that it's going to distort all those like understandings of the truth of understanding of like hell of the state of the dead like the day that we should worship and, and the grace that it's uh given to us and i was like a little like uh mm, probably yes no but then i finally i think i agree with you and i think both of us are in the in the same uh yeah. in the same channel just coming from different approaches the approach it's that you're cycle. coming from is like Yes, it's a cycle like where like your your behaviors and your beliefs uh, affect your thoughts, your thoughts affect your actions. Like that's kind of like cognitive behavioral therapy right there. Yeah. And and our our concepts, our concepts of uh, of God affect in a in a level of doctrine and level of of understanding of who God is and and what is hell or what is the the, the end time events, but also affect your day by day because if you think that there's a hell, if you think that there's a hell right now and and you think that there's Satan like right now like roasting you or roasting people like for eternity and, and you think that god will allow that 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 also impacts your way about uh, yes. like your concept of god that also affects your day by day mm -hmm. you live by fear because you don't want to be burned eternally uh or just uh, or you do well because you want to have a good life in, in heaven forever so your your approach um and and your way of going about with life about with life really really it's uh impacted by both the the way that you do things the way that you see things the way that uh, the things are in your society and also the concepts the constructs so i think they go hand in hand i think they yeah. go hand in hand um uh, it can be a vicious cycle or a good symbiosis right yeah where yeah. I mean, like yes if we're if i feel bad at if i have bad my feelings about work will impact the quality of my work and the quality of work will impact my feeling right where if i'm yeah. in a bad mood i'm not gonna do well at work and if i'm not doing well at work i'm gonna get in a worse mood and and so, and Jesus also, or James also teaches us that with that cycle, that um, the only teaching we'll really know is the teaching we live. That if we don't live it, it's like Ooh. it goes, we, it's like looking in the mirror where, or maybe have you ever checked the time and then not realize what the time was because you got distracted when you look at your watch and you didn't like think about what you're going to do based on what you saw about the time. It's that same thing mm -hmm. with truth, mm -hmm. Ruben, where the truth gets distorted when we don't live it, don't live it, don't live it, don't live it. And then we have, there's this truth practice relationship that needs to happen. Yes. Yes. And you know, going back to the example of the, of the, of the lady, of the girl that, that came to our church, like later on, like that, caused uh, a really good interaction with the youth of her church of her church and they asked me pastor what do you think about people that are uh, gay that are homosexual that are in the lgbtq community and then i i asked them what do you think and and then one of the kids say like well we are all sinners and and then and then in my mind it was like it's something connected like a few days ago when when we used that example we are all sinners mm -hmm. because when you say we are all sinners you are saying like oh yeah we are we are all sinners. We all have mistakes as those people are like tagged with their sin and with their mistake. And we are also as well putting ourselves in that basket just, just so we feel that, so just so they feel that we're empathizing, but that is not empathy in the sense of putting 
them as the sinner label and then, oh, I'm going to throw myself there. We are all there. That is not the way of Jesus. Okay. Like, we need to change our, even our language will change our thoughts and that will change by our understanding of the Bible. It's not we are all sinners necessarily, and that is not necessarily wrong in a theological level, Correct. but more than sinners, we are also sons and daughters of God. Why don't we just say instead of we are all sinners, that mentality of we are all sinners, it is true, like Paul says in Romans, but there's many more times, and, and it's way more important to emphasize that we are sons and daughters. So, like, what, what, yes. I, and that affects, finish your thought. That affects, I, have a, I have an add-on for this. Yeah, and that affects our, our way of dealing with people. Like, you would say, oh, he's a sinner like me. No, why don't you say, like, she's a daughter of God like me? Like, why don't you say that? Why don't we say like that? And if we start using that language, if you start, in, not only the language, if you ha if we have that mindset, when you see this person, you see a son and a daughter of God, you're not saying this sinner. Of course it is. You, everybody is. That That's okay. We, we know that. But what is the the modus vivendi that you want to go by? What is your What is your first and foremost, like the most important premise that you are a sinner or you are a son and daughter of God? I'm yes. not trying to deny our nature. I'm not trying to deny our struggle, but I'm trying to framework our mentality in what God tells us that we are. And if we start working from that premise, I'm pretty sure like more bridges can be built. Let, let me do this with you with the way of Jesus. I think this is my moment of clarity. And as you're speaking, I received it. So thank you, sir. Here it is. Mm -hmm. um, there is... And I, there's two books I'm going to buy and read. One is Jesus, Gentle and Lowly. It's a newer book. And the other is an older one by Mark Galley called Jesus, Wild and Mean. Mm. And uh, I was hearing the, the references and reviews and for, for one, and then the other is like, well, about this one? Which one is he? And uh, Drew Dick was on uh, Holy Post podcast talking with Sky uh, Jathani about that. And here's what it something that really hit. He's like, how can you reconcile Jesus being wild and mean and gentle and lowly? Which is he really? Are we just importing our culture onto him? What's going on? You know, because people say, oh, you make Jesus seem so gentle and lowly. Like he doesn't care about your sin. And oh, hmm. you're so, you're so sinful. And the other's like, man, you make Jesus wild and mean because you're a bunch of angry bigots. You know, the reality hmm. is Jesus appeared as both at different yes. times. And we appear as both in different times, but there's a distinct difference. Um, let, let me do this. Ready? So Jesus is wild and mean for towards the sin and injustice of the powerful. Yet he is, and this is in the text, he is meek and lowly with perhaps one visual exception. The one visible exception might be the Syrophoenician woman. And that's a text that I need to work on more myself, and maybe we'll do an episode on that. But um, with the perhaps the exception of the Syrophoenician woman, he is meek and lowly to those that society says are garbage. So basically, we, society, Babylon, sin, this, this common mentality, our flesh, is meek and lowly to the powerful, those above us, and gentle and wild and mean to the powerless. Jesus 
was wild and mean to the self-righteous and the powerful, but he was meek and lowly to those who did not have that power, those who did not have that agency, did not have that respect. And so to why, because here's my question as you're speaking, why do we need to lay, it's in order to minister to uh, the LGBTQ plus community, to millennials, to minorities, if you're a majority, to, to, to whomever, we have to remove every, every ounce of bigotry has to be out of play. Because what happens is, I think with the LGBTQ plus community, we add our bigotry and that bigotry says, and then we attach it to some things in the Bible and we miss it. So we come hard at their sin. You you have to admit you're sinful to be in this room. You nasty gay yeah. people and people that's that's the way we come across when yeah. we're being wild and mean to people that Jesus would be gentle and lowly to. And then Let we me, have people that Jesus would be wild and mean to. The powerful that never get their sin called out. And we're gentle and yeah. lowly to them. And that I think that's the issue. And so when I look at that. We aren't being compromising liberals in saying let's no. be gentle and meek to the LGBTQ plus community. I may have done letters in the wrong order, and I'm sorry for that. You know, those letters are meaningful for people. So I'm, I'm sorry if I messed that up. Um, I'm not trying to. And we right. need to perhaps be more ready to be wild and mean against sins that are like ours that get overlooked. Um but in a holy way um, with love still in it. So that's just my moment of clarity on that. Okay. So I totally hear you. I totally understand and relate you. And I want to clarify it. And when I get my moment of clarity out of your moment of clarity, that was out (laughs) of something that I said, and it was, you are not saying, and God does not abide by this, premise that everybody says this they say it's like god loves the sinner but hates the sin if we use this example if you use this premise we're we're really really not not following it and what you were saying it's not that god hates the sin no god hates the self-righteous people god says god hates the, the systems of oppressions because self-righteousness is the the worst enemy of the holy spirit Self-righteousness is the worst enemy because we are, when we are in the self-righteous mode, we think that we can do things by ourselves. And and going by this, I will never, ever, ever again. I learned my lesson. I think I used that statement once and I was clarified by some friends. And it's like, you don't use that example. You don't use that. Why do you say like God, God loves the the sinner but hates the sin? Like, are, are, are you telling me that that sin hates and your sin does not hate? Like we are, we are really like, uh, what is that, uh, uh, doing, uh, cherry picking with what God hates and does not hate when we use that statement. So my moment of clarity is I really need to be, um, a person that will be an ambassador for the beauty that it is living a life with Christ, the beauty and the opportunity for telling people that they're sons and daughters 
I totally agree with you, Rich, when you say that it is necessary for us to 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 make a distinction of of God being this radical person and then this loving person. And going there, I see that Jesus was really, really, really uh, loving towards people that needed love. Mm-hmm. And, and that love really, brought wholeness, right? That love yes. didn't say, oh, you know, sin doesn't exist for you. Like, no, no. Transformation occurred where it needed to be. But there was an acknowledgement of, there was an acknowledgement of, you're a son, you're a daughter. Yes. I don't condemn you. Primarily. I don't condemn you. Yes. So, and that should be our, our there, there was going premise. sin no more, but only Jesus said it. <laughs> off yeah. of well, Jesus deep is context, the only one that can say that. Off of the deep context of a personal relationship, he said it. Versus, yes, hi, yes. my name's Sue. Nice to meet you, Jan. I just got to let you know you got to go and sin no more, dear. Yeah, yeah. There's no context. That condescending, that condescending attitude is why most people say Christianity is awful. And as long as we stop uh, having that attitude, uh, I think we will be in a good path of, of letting God use us and and we are by no means perfect. Uh, I, I think every day I need to pray so God will take some of my awfulness so he will be known in a non-awful way by my interactions, by my love. And that is my moment of clarity. Like I, mm. it, is, it is a challenge, it is a privilege, and it is a great opportunity to, to, be, to, to claim that I'm a Christian and not take pride into it as, as a way of being better than anybody else but being better for myself as he's saving me one day at a time all right let me try an impromptu benediction may you go ahead may you be known by your love may Mm. you be seen to be walking in the way and the truth of jesus may you be seen as gentle and meek to the least of these, but wild and mean to the corrupt powers that... Amen. Amen. That's a beautiful, beautiful statement. Thank you, Rich. Thank you for or you that are listening, for uh, being with us, uh, for giving us an opportunity of being part of your life for this episode. Please stay tuned for more. Um, Ruben. And I'm Rich. And this was Clarity. <laughs>